Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. I just want to start by asking you this question this morning. Are you tired of all the negativity? Yes, I am. I'm tired of it. Uh, People are so critical. Everybody seems to be interested in what's wrong instead of what's right. And it just seems like complaining has been developed into an art form these days. Some people treat complaining like it's their spiritual gift, you know, like, like the Holy Spirit just empowered them to be great complainers. I don't know where they get that. I, I was a, an intern when I was in college. I, I did two summer internships at Carmi, Illinois, which is not far from here, uh, southern Illinois, and it's a little farming community. And, you know, I'm, I'm this young city kid, and I'm trying to connect to these farmers, and I, I, I picked up pretty early that the rain and the weather was really important to them. And so, you know, one Saturday it rained. I went in the next Sunday, went up to one of the farmers and I said, Hey, you got a good rain yesterday. You know, it was a, it rained on your crops yesterday. He's like, yeah, but it, you know, it didn't rain hard enough. I need a harder rain than that. So, you know, it it rained again in the summer and I caught him out somewhere and I said, Hey, you got, you know, it rained hard yesterday. Yeah. It rained too hard. Tore my crops all to pieces. Tore them up. I'm like, good, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't, this guy's never happy. Um, you know, and, and just seemed like no matter, it, hey, it rained, you know, it rained, it seemed like it rained just the right, didn't rain too hard, didn't rain too soft. Yeah, but it was raining at two o'clock. I needed to be in the field at two o'clock. All right, dude, I, I can't help you, all right? I, I can't. Some people just, no matter how good it is, it just is never good enough for them. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would say you are an above average driver? Above average driver. Let me see. Raise them high. Be proud. See, this is the problem right here. This is a, um, that so many of you think that you're above average drivers. Um, it, you, because be, when you think you're an above average driver, you think it gives you the right to complain about everybody else. I do. I do. Just ask Dee Dee. We went to Indianapolis yesterday, and I was more than happy to let her know how horrible these other drivers were. Um, but then I got to Indianapolis and encountered one of the hundred million thousand roundabouts that they have in the city of Indianapolis, and um, I actually got honked at yesterday, <laughs> and I deserved it. I really did. I deserved it. Uh, sometimes you get in the middle of those, and they, over there, they put them like side by side by side. And, you know, Siri's talking to me, and I'm trying to figure things out, and cars are whizzing by, and, and then this dude's honking at me, and it freaked me out, okay? It just kind of freaked me out, and I deserved it. He honked, and I, I deserved it. I almost tore the side right out of his beautiful F-150. Um, he wasn't real happy with me, and I, I, I was wrong. You know, you think about it, it probably isn't you. Um, we, we probably are all aver- above average drivers at, at Cross Lane. It's all those other churches that got all those bad drivers, right? So, so don't honk at your brothers and sisters this morning and don't complain about them. They're doing the best they can. Um, here's a place where we complain. We walk into a fast food restaurant where somebody is going to serve you. Somebody is going to cook your food and bring it to you on a platter. And if it takes over three and a half minutes, we're not happy, right? And we're letting somebody know, how dare you waste my precious time by making me wait 
on my food. I can't believe it took you that long to make me stand three and a half minutes. We complain about all kinds of things. Some of us, we, we drive our cars, very nice cars, by the way, up into our driveway. We push a button, a door magically opens, and we drive inside. Protected from all the weather, we hit a button, the door closes behind us, right? We walk into air-conditioned or heated homes. We open a refrigerator that is full of food, and we are heard to say, say it with me, We've got nothing to eat. We turn on televisions, 365 channels loaded with Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN, ESPN Plus, ESPN One, ESPN Two, ESPN The Ocho. We got them all, right? You you got HBO, you, you got... Amazon Prime, Netflix, I mean, you, your TV is tricked out, and inevitably, at some point, at the end of the day, by the end of the day, you're going to have said, there's nothing on television. We go into our closet, lined with clothes, some of them have tags hanging from them, and, and we will look at our clothes and have this forlorn look on our face and the words will come out of our mouth, say it with me, I have nothing to wear. Seriously. It's amazing how blessed we can be and yet how ungrateful we can sound. I think most of us, by nature, we want more. I think we want better, we want faster, and we, we want it now. I think one of the things that would make your 2020 better than your 2019. Just if you, if you want just a quick piece of advice, something that will make 2020 better than 2019, it will be that if you will start the year pursuing a heart of gratitude. If you'll just pursue a heart of gratitude, 2020 will be better than 2019. Many experts <clears throat> say that gratitude is the value that unlocks all of the other positive values in our life. Gratitude will make you more generous. Gratitude will make you more of an encourager. I've been praying for for us this week uh, that this year we will make the pursuit of gratitude one of the things that is one of our top priorities, that we, we truly will try to be people, a people of gratitude. And I'm convinced if you do, you're going to have a better year this year than you had last year. But here's the tragedy. Most of the people in the world will never experience a true heart of gratitude. Luke uh, 17, if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 17. There's a story there I want us to take just a real quick look at. There's a description of some lepers that that Jesus encounters. And what we're going to find out is that some of these guys have a tremendous lack of gratitude. I hear pages turning. That makes me happy. Really makes me happy. If you have a pencil, you might want to get it ready. I'm going to give you three statements today, the things I want you to write down. But um, I'm glad you got your Bibles open. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Automatically, you know things are kind of wonky already because... uh, Samaria, they didn't want to be anywhere close to Samaria. And he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. 
They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, when we read this, it's really easy when you're reading this in the Bible, like in your quiet time or if you've if you got one of those reading programs and now you're going to read about the lepers, it's easy to read this and go, okay, yeah, I see that, and then move, move on past it. But you, you need to understand that these guys are pleading with Jesus. They are crying out in desperation from the depths of their heart. They've got a problem. See, if you go back to the Hebrew Bible and you, you look at like Leviticus 13 and, and you, you see what a leper had to do. There's a, Leviticus, the 13th chapter, is all dedicated to you know, certain kind of sores on your skin and different colors and different, you know, if the hair turns white or if there's a boil, there's certain things that you're supposed to do. And they're constantly, you see it over and over, show yourself to the priest, go show yourself to the priest. And one of the things you take away is that the priest was more than just a religious figure. In some manner, he, he almost took the form of a doctor sometimes in looking at these different conditions. But there, Leviticus 13 is full of it. Or, you know, show yourself to the priest. Show yourself to the priest. And then some extracurricular writing that you could look up on, like the history of, you know, leprosy, tells you that, that lepers, when they encountered leprosy, when they contracted leprosy, um, one of the things that they were supposed to do was rip their clothing. They, they would just rip their clothing. And that, that was a, that, that in, in, it, it announced to people as you encountered them, there's something wrong there. I don't know exactly what, but there's something wrong. They also would cover their mouth so as not to infect somebody else. They, you know, they would rip their clothes, cover their mouth. And I don't really get this, but I'm told also they weren't allowed to fix their hair. <laughs> I don't, I don't, maybe it was just like to make sure that everybody knew that they were a mess. Now, some of you ladies would never go out with unfixed hair. But if you had leprosy, that was something you weren't supposed to do. So you would rip your clothes, cover your mouth, don't fix your hair. And they would call out, Tom A., Tame, which meant unclean. I'm unclean. Don't get too close to me. Tame, which Dee Dee, when I used to play ball, she would make me stand out on the deck and say that as I got undressed because I was covered head to toe in dirt. Tame, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. So a leper would have all this, um, this social rejection and all this uh, pressure and, and their bodies would ooze with sores. You did not want to have leprosy. It was awful. I'm showing you a book here. One of my favorite authors of all time is a guy, uh, Dr. Paul Brand. And Dr. Brand, um, I've actually exchanged a letter or two with him. Just really, I wrote and told him how much I appreciated his books, and he was so kind. He, he responded to me and very kind. But he teamed up with Philip Yancey. I think Dr. Brand's gone on to be with Jesus now, but he teamed up with Philip Yancey to write a couple of really, really good books. I would recommend this one to you, Pain, The Gift Nobody Wants. He also, uh, two of my all-time favorite books, I, I talk about these all the time, In His Image and Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. If you want two really good books to read, read those two books by Dr. Brand, In His Image and Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. He is a, 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 he's a leprosy physician. His mother was a leprosy, was a, a, a medical missionary, I think in China and India. And Dr. Brand grew up with her and, and watching her and he became a leprosy physician and he spent most of his time in India and he specialized in the hand. 
Dr. Brand was a, a specialist in how the hand worked and moved, but just a brilliant, brilliant man. And he writes um, in, I, I'm pretty sure it's in The Pain, The Gift Nobody Wants. He writes about how in India, when they would come to, when the, the people with leprosy would come to his clinic and they would work with them and try and get them fixed up, um, when they would send them home from the clinic, they always sent them home with a cat. Now, this is going to get gross for a minute, okay? You're like, why would they send a leprosy patient home with a cat? Because here's the problem. When you have leprosy, you can't feel anything. That's the problem with leprosy. You can't feel anything. You can't feel pain in, the, in whatever has leprosy. And so as they would sleep at night, rodents would nibble on their fingers. They'd wake up and their finger would be gone because a mouse ate it. So Dr. Brand said, we're going to start sending cats home to make sure that the rodents stay away. And that's, that's one of the ways they combated the whole deal with leprosy in, in a developing country like that. But think about the devastation of having to tolerate a disease like this over and over for years on end. Not being able to have intimacy with anybody. Not ever being able to get a hug from somebody. Now hopefully when you walked in this morning, you saw people that matter to you and that love you. And that I, I you know, was having a conversation with somebody between services and they said, don't you love looking out here and seeing all these people hugging on one another? Like that's my favorite part of Sunday. I don't know if you know that or not. That's my favorite part of Sunday is I stand down there, I get to greet you coming and going and I'll look, you know, looked out toward the youth room through the lobby and I just see all these people hugging on, loving on each other. And that's like my, I love that about our church. But can you imagine never getting hugged? Can you imagine being so sick that people won't even touch you? In fact, they don't even want to be around you. When they see you come and they cross the street because they don't, you might make them sick. They can't be anywhere close to you. Can you imagine being in such a shape that no one will even talk to you? So when they see Jesus... When they hear that Jesus might be able to help them, they get excited. Hope starts to spring up in them. And they're crying out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have mercy on us. This is a cry of desperation. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priests. I mean, that's what they did in Leviticus 13. And as they went, they were cleansed. A miracle from heaven. Now if this were you, and you had leprosy, and what you had to endure was what I just described, and then you talked to Jesus, and you did what he said, and all of a sudden you realize your leprosy is gone, and you were suddenly healed. Miracle. You'd be thankful. Some people are going to come back and and be thankful with Jesus. How many? How many come back? Look at verse 15. How many? One. One. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Luke puts that, that last little piece in there. That's an important piece. He was a Samaritan. You know, Samaritans weren't even used to strangers talking to them. They would have Jesus being a Jew, there would be no reason for, a, for these two to even talk to one another, much less Jesus care enough to even attempt to try to heal him. I mean, it, it, Luke's trying to get you to see this is, you know, on the healing side and on the thanking side that the, that the Samaritan came back, that's pretty remarkable. 
takes this whole gratitude thing to a whole new level. And just in case you think gratitude isn't important to Jesus, look at verse 17. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Ten lives miraculously transformed by God. They go from no hope to having the hope of a normal life and only one of the ten come back with a heart of gratitude. The leper says, you know what, I'm postured. I have a heart of gratitude. I'm going to be the one. I want to be like that. I want to be the one. If it's a hundred, I want to be the one out of a hundred. One out of ten. I want to have a heart of gratitude. I want to be the one. How do we do that? Well, that's where I want to spend the, the balance of our time together this morning. I want us to look at three statements that will help us to choose gratitude. And I, I do. I want you to write these down, keep them close to you this week. Because um, I really am convinced that if you can start your year choosing gratitude, your year's going to be better. Just trust me when I tell you that. Gratitude is a, for me, when I do the Jesus talk with people, the, you could sum up the Jesus talk in one sentence, and it is, gratitude is what Christianity is all about. Gratitude is how we respond to everything that Jesus did for us on the cross. If you will just live your life with gratitude to God, everything else will take care of itself. Christianity is not hard. Following Jesus trying to avoid sin and not get yourself into predicaments, that's hard. But, but knowing what to do, all you got to do is just look at Jesus and be grateful. Just be grateful. Live your life from a place of gratitude. I promise you, your life is going to change and your life is going to be better. So the first statement I want to give us this morning is this. I know every good thing I have comes from God. That one statement is something you need to be telling yourself over and over. I know that every good thing I have comes from God. James says it like this, every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes from God. I have a very good friend and they get this. They understand that God has blessed them and they, they, they have really been blessed. But you know what? They're constantly blessing other people. They're constantly giving their resources away. They, they, they have given to me, they've blessed me in ways that are just, you know, you just shake your head like, I can't believe somebody would do that. And what happens is when I experience generosity like that, it rubs off on me and I find myself wanting to be generous like that. Now, I may not have the same resource pool that they have. I may not be able to be as generous as them, but they have modeled for me what it looks like to give your resources away, and I want to I look like them. They are so attractive to me. And I see it, and I'm like, I want to be like that. And here's what you hear sometimes. Brett, I actually worked for this. I earned it. That may be true, but what's really going on is that you have been a good steward of what God gave to you. Every time you succeed, you are succeeding with a gift that God gave to you. God is the giver of all good things. You start looking in the scriptures and what you see is you see where people did some amazing things by using what God had given them. God gave the Israelites manna in the morning and a fire by night and they used that 
to do some pretty incredible things. David killed Goliath, but he did it with a stone that God provided for him. Jonah was saved by a fish that God provided for him. Mary, God gave this teenager girl this faith to say yes and to give birth to the Savior of the world. God gave the wise men a star to lead them. God provided all that stuff. And God gives us the Prince of Peace, the Savior of the world. God gives you a supernatural peace that goes beyond your ability to understand it. God gives us his Holy Spirit to comfort us and to guide us and to convict us and to counsel us. And he gives us his word to direct us and he gives us health to bless us. And he gives us friends so that we don't feel alone. And he gives us a life to glorify him. Every good thing we have comes from God. God is completely good. He is constantly good. God is unchangingly good. God will not ever be anything less than good. Everything good that we have has come from God. And when we embrace that, it'll change our attitude. Instead of an attitude of entitlement, we have an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude, which overflows into the positive places in our lives. You, you need to write these statements down. Number one, I know every good thing I have comes from God. Number two, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I don't know what you want. Better car, better phone, better house. Travel, better clothes, granite countertops. They must, must make your food taste better. I don't know. But we've all got stuff that we see, you know. We see stuff and you're like, oh, I'd like to have one of those. I want that. I, ooh, I like that. Wish I had that. I want one of those. I want to go there. Wish I had that. And on And on it goes. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 6, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. Better what you have than what you want. Better what is in front of you than that for which you are longing. Better to embrace what God has given you than to always be wanting something more. It's better. What you have is better than the thing that you're always longing for that you think will make you happy. Gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. Better is what we have than a roving appetite, wanting something more, more, more. Gratitude turns what is before us into enough, and we recognize its blessing. We're not talking about happy people who are grateful. We're talking about grateful people who are happy. There's a difference. I'm not going to let what I want rob me of the blessings that I already have. Think about what you have. The, The most normal person here today probably has three meals a day coming to them today, right? Some of you four, some of us five or six. Some of us probably need to knock it off, right? Some of us are not lacking in any way for more to eat. At some point this week, if not today, most of us, I'm, if I, I'd love to know the statistic of how many of us will go out and pay somebody today to fix food for us. 
If you don't do it today, more than the, the odds are, I think, wouldn't you agree with me, are very good that at some point within this week, you will pay somebody else to fix food for you. You'll go to a restaurant somewhere and you'll buy some food. Most of us in here have a bed that we get to sleep in. We have nice clothes to wear. Most of us have more than one pair of shoes. Some of us, we, we got shoes that we wear to work. We got shoes that we play ball in. We got shoes that we wear to church. I bet you've got a pair of shoes at your house that the only thing you do in them is work in the yard, work in the garden, mow the grass. It's your, your yard mowing shoes, right? You got one pair of shoes, that's all you do with them. Then you got another pair of shoes that the only time you wear those is in the house, house shoes. Some of you got high-heeled shoes. Some of you got high-heeled shoes. Most of us have shoes all over the place. Most of us are kicking shoes out of the way. You open your closet, there's shoes everywhere, right? It's like a shoe factory in there. Most of us have a car to drive. Most of us have a nice job. We, we are extraordinarily blessed. If you're making minimum wage, you're making approximately 32 times the average wage of all the people alive today. And yet we want more. More and more. And some of us are miserable because we don't have more. Most of us have phones. Oh, we got phones, don't we? We got phones. How many of you, just be, tell me the truth. How many of you are touching your phone right now? Raise your hand. You're touching your phone. Yeah. I, I, I'm not putting you down. I'm the same way, right? Like, I want my phone close to me all the time. So I'm not putting you down. Just, I'm just, these are important to us. And they do things. I, I, I made a little list. And thinking about this, I made a list of the things that I did on my phone this week. And my guess is that most of you did over at least half of what I'm about to say, if not three quarters, okay? I, I made a list. Just listen to the things that I did on my phone just this, just in one week. I made a call. Did you know your phone will actually call somebody? You can talk to them? <laughs> Who knew? I texted somebody. I took some pictures. I saved those pictures to my phone. I shared those pictures with the people who were in the picture. I traded a stock on my phone this week. I calculated a tip. I ordered food. I played a game. I checked voicemail. I read the news. I, my phone reminded me of some things. I was awakened by my phone. I set a timer and it let me know when something was going to be done. I looked up a business address. I, I drove to somebody's house using a map. On my phone, I checked the score of a game. I listened to a podcast. I listened to music on demand. Whatever song I wanted to hear, I could hear on my phone. I researched a movie. I bought something. I checked the weather. I made an appointment. I made sure my daughter was safe. There's this thing where you can get on there and you can see where your kids are. Best app ever. Like, my daughter lives in Atlanta, and I can bring up my phone and tell exactly, I can see if she's where she's supposed to be, and if she's not, she's getting a call from Dad like, what are you doing? I'm like, Dad, I'm going to take that away from you. I did my banking on my phone this week. I learned, to, uh, I learned something new by watching a YouTube video. I learned how to do something. 
I tracked my mileage. I looked up an address. I looked up a password. I looked at a weather satellite image. I sent money to one of my kids. I took notes on my phone. I checked my calendar. I sent and received email. I read the Bible. And I read a book all on my phone. Let me just ask you, how many of you in the last, I'll say two years, how many of you in the last two years have upgraded your phone? Upgraded your phone. Look at all the hands. So here's, here's what we did. And I'm, I did it too. I mean, I just did this three months ago. It's a fairly brand new phone. Three months ago, I took my old phone in, and it worked. Okay? Most people would have been perfectly fine to have my phone. Wouldn't you say that's true of you? When you upgrade yours, it's like, there's not anything really, really, really wrong with it. We just, say it with me, want a new one. Yeah, so we take the old one that works. I still call people. And I, I take it in, and I, I, it still works, but I, I get a new one. So we took a working thing in, and we traded it in on one that we say is a better working version. That's how incredibly blessed we are. Most of us have our health. Most of us, I mean, you may have an ache or pain, but most of us are, are cruising through life. I know some of you are in debilitating pain. Some of, you, some of it's an emotional pain. I get that. I'm, I'm not belittling any of that. Trust me. I know some of you are going through some hard, hard stuff. But, but most of us, are, we're getting through life uh, fairly well, aches and pains, but nothing really you know, going to pull us down too bad. Most of us have traveled somewhere really cool in the last year or two. Right? You've seen a beautiful sunset somewhere, or you, you got to go to the mountains, or you've camped, or you've done something like, man, I'm really glad I got to do this. I mean, it's so awesome. I mean, in those moments, you know, I'm always reminded of the Ziggy cartoon. You remember the Ziggy cartoons? And there's a scene where he's looking at the sunset, and he's just saying, yay, God. <laughs> you know, like, that's awesome. Do it again. Most of you have friends in your world, I mean, hopefully you came today and somebody was happy to see you and lit up and smiled when they saw you, gave you a hug. I mean, again, I, that's my favorite part of Sunday. You know what you should do? You should go to another part of the world. You should go to a developing country. Go there and look at the people who don't have all the things that I just mentioned. Don't get to do the stuff that we get to do. Don't have cars. Don't have closets. Don't have sh tons of shoes. And feel sad for them. Until you get around them a little bit, especially the Jesus-loving ones who have nothing. And all of a sudden, you start looking at them and you, 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 you see them differently and you, you understand that there's something going on with them that maybe you haven't locked into real well. I had the great honor and privilege to travel to uh, Thailand uh, to be with our, our missionary over there at the time, a guy named Rick Walden and his wife, uh, Kathy and just great people and got to spend 10 days in Thailand beautiful country I was with Tracy if you ever get to go on a mission trip you're with Tracy nothing bad's going to happen to you okay Tracy's got it figured out he's awesome at that kind of stuff um, but I'm with Tracy and we're you know he took us up we, we went out of the the city of Chiang Mai and we went up this this by switchbacks just back and forth up this massive mountain I'll never forget it. I was scared to death. Jim Chaplin was driving. I saw my, I think I saw Jesus at one point. But we get up to Wing Hang, this village, and 
there had been a lady in the church, and she's gone to be with Jesus now. Her name was Helen Wallace, and Helen had knitted these, like, these, like, um, she had made these balls out of yarn, and she'd stuffed them with old pantyhose, and they were like these little soft, almost like a Nerf ball, and she kept bringing them to me every week, like, Brett, I made some more yarn balls for you, and I'm like, great, I have no idea what I'm going to do with these, and so we decided we'd take them to Thailand, and one day we, we, call these little kids to come together. We're going to play with them. I mean, we, we can't speak a lick of Thai and they can't speak any English, but man, the, the joy on their faces, they were so happy to see us. And we, we, you know, Tracy and I decided, hey, we're going to give these sock balls away. So we gave them to all the team and everybody reached in and took these little sock balls out and we're throwing them to the kids. I mean, a sock ball, a yarn ball that I had no idea what to do with. I'm looking at like, you know, I mean, if she's not watching, I might throw these away, but God wouldn't let me throw them away. So we gave them away to the Thai kids. They were overjoyed to have a yarn ball. They were running around, holding them in their hand, throwing them at each other. We played, they were playing soccer with them. It was awesome. And what happens is you see these little kids and you stop feeling, their parents who would come to church and they love Jesus, they don't have anything. We saw how they lived, it was awful. You would not want to live the way they live. Smiles on their faces, overjoyed. And you stop feeling sorry for them and you start feeling sorry for yourself because you realize you have so much and you don't have the joy they have. And God, what's wrong with me? Andrew Peterson has a line in one of his songs, I think it's just beautiful. He talks about being afflicted by our prosperity, afflicted with having too much. And I think that that's happened to a lot of us. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. I'm going to recognize that every good gift I have comes from God. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. Paul said it in Philippians like this. We looked at this not long ago as we studied Philippians. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Some of you can identify with that. Some of you know what it is to have a lot, and some of you know, have known what it has been. And maybe you're there in a place now where you go, you know, I don't have a whole lot. And then he says this, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now we associate that verse with achieving something great in a sporting event. That's not what that verse is about. That verse is about being able to be content no matter whatever our circumstance. Paul got to a place where Christ was all he had. And listen, until you get to a place where Christ is all you have, you will not know that Christ is all you need. I'm going to choose gratitude in a world that is very negative. I'm, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to recognize every good gift I have comes from God. I'm not going to let what I want rob me of what I have. Number three, I'll turn every blessing I have back into praise. Every blessing we receive from God, we're going to turn back into worship for him. Why? Because there's a very real risk that if you do not take your blessings and turn them back into praise, what happens is they turn into pride. And I'm here to tell you, pride is the worst thing you can have in your life. Pride is poison in your life. 
You run the risk of turning your blessings into pride, and it's a very dangerous thing. Um, I deserve that. I earned that. I should have more. I'm better than them. We're better than them. We've worked harder. When you start talking like that, pride has taken root in your heart, and it's a dangerous, dangerous thing for your heart to be filled with that kind of pride. When we don't turn blessings back into praise, we run the risk of pride. David said it like this in the Psalms. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Every blessing I have, I will turn back into pride, into praise. So how do we become thankful and praise God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story, and then I'm going to punctuate the, the message with a, a statement, okay? A little thing that we can do. I was, um, I, I had three kids, but my, my oldest was a little boy named Bennett. And when Bennett was just not real tall, he was a little guy. It was just me and Bennett, and we went to like a Walmart kind of store, and we're there. And the um, cool thing about stores like that is the sporting goods section is always pretty close to the toy section, Right? So I could look at what I wanted, and Bennett could look at what he wanted, and, and it was all cool. And, you know, he's, Bennett was a great kid. He didn't give me much trouble. But um, I, I got involved looking at something, and I lost track of Bennett. And whose fault is that? That's my fault. That's not his fault. But somehow I got mad at him, right? He disappears. It's funny how we're responsible for them. We should be watching them, but we get mad at them when they leave. It's always, we make it about, it's their fault. No, it was my fault. But I got involved and gross and looking at something and how it worked and, you know, like, and probably thinking, man, this will make my life better. I want this. I deserve this. And while I'm doing all that, Bennett disappears. And I start looking around and Bennett is gone. So now, I, you know, I, at first you, you stay cool and I'm looking for Bennett and I don't see him anywhere. He's not where he was just a second ago. And now I start doing the scan where you look down the aisle. You go down every, you look at, past down every aisle, right? And I get, I complete the toy section. I don't see Bennett anywhere. But I haven't completely panicked yet because I haven't done the weave. You know what the weave is, right? Where you go up and down the aisle. Up and down every aisle around every end cap because surely he's around here somewhere. Now I'm not finding him. And now my heart's beating fast and I'm breathing heavy. And now I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm mad at him. There's that combination of I can't find him and I'm mad at him and I'm going to blister him and hug him all at the same time, right? And, and so eventually, I mean, I look forever and I'm, I'm almost to the place where I'm ready to get on the phone and, and scream. I don't know what you're supposed to scream, but I was going to scream it. Like Mayday or something. Can't find Bennett. And I look over in a place, not a normal place for him to be. He had found something in the toy aisle that he really liked and he'd gone over and just sat in the corner figuring dad's going to be a while. And he's just playing, just having the best time, big smile on his face. He has no clue. I've been looking for him. He has no clue how mad I am in that moment, right? And I rush up and I'm you know, I'm getting ready to launch into him about, you know, what do you, do you not understand what you've just done? But here's the thing. I went from mad to overjoyed pretty quick. And I could not hug him enough. 
I was so thankful. So thankful. The thought that I had about spanking him because he hadn't been where he was supposed to be, fleeting. That didn't last very long. All I could think was, I'm gonna, I've got him back. Now, what changed? Nothing changed in the whole arrangement other than my perspective. That's the only thing that changed was my perspective. Your perspective is king. You've got to constantly cultivate your perspective. So here's an exercise for you to help you cultivate your perspective this morning. I want you to try this. I want you to think of something that you currently have, and I want you to pretend that you've lost it. A spouse. And you've lost them. A job. You had a good job, and, and maybe some of you have great jobs, and all of a sudden, what if you walked in tomorrow and they said, hey, don't need you anymore. You're, we, 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 we don't have this job for you. Your health. You get a phone call. that changes everything. And some of you have gotten this call. But I want you to think about not having your spouse or not having your job or not having your health. You had it, and now it's gone. Okay, it's gone. You're you're not going to have it anymore. And then miraculously, somehow, it's given back to you. I got my job back. I got got my health back. That call was a bad dream. Every day, I want you to make a list of some things that, and I want you to pretend like you lost them. And then realize that you still have them. And be thankful. Start thanking God for the stuff that you already have. You have so much to be thankful for. You know, those of you with little kids, I know that you want to pull your hair out. I know it's hard. I know you get tired of mommy, mommy, mommy. I know you get tired of it. I know you get tired of messes. I know you get tired of running all the time. I've... They probably think I'm nuts. I can't help it. I can't help it. I'll see parents with little kids out in public. You know, when, when you're putting them in car seats and they're like, they're just going crazy and it's, it's just chaos. And I'll walk up and I'll, they, and like, like, they're probably looking at me like, would you just shut up and leave me alone? But I can't help it. I go up and I'll say, hey, I just want you to know, cherish this right now. Savor every one of these moments. Because you're not going to have this forever. Because they're going to grow up on you. They're not going to need you like this. In this moment where you think this is awful, this is the most worst thing in the world, trying to get them in their car seat because it doesn't fit and the thing won't click in and, it's, it's, and you got the other one pulling on your, your, your pant leg and you, know, you don't have money to do the stuff you want to do. It. Trust me, you're going to, I think it was Trace Atkins sang a song, you're going to miss this. You're going to miss it. You know, if you're busy and you're constantly complaining, how are you? Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm just busy. Listen, thank God you're busy. Thank God you've got a job that makes you busy. Thank God you've got friends and family and kids that make you busy. Because there's some people that would kill to be busy. Would kill to have what we have. It's all about perspective. And you've got to wake up every day and realize, God,
And I will turn it back in praise. And I will be grateful for what I have. I got one more verse to read to you. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Perspective. Gratitude. You choose. Your 2020 can be way better if you will just be grateful. Let's pray. Father, man, are you good to us. You are so good to us. And we are the kings of complaining, and we can, we can get sour in a heartbeat. And we, can, we have made complaining an art form. We're sorry, Father. I pray that gratitude would rule our hearts. I pray that we would wake up and realize how many things you have put in our world that makes our world so unbelievably good. And we would just praise and praise and praise your name over and over. And as we do that, Father, our days are going to be better. We're going to be more magnetic. People, people are going to want to be around us because we're more positive. Help us to be more positive. God, we love you. We honor you and we worship you in these moments. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.